Welcome to the Volley Pod, where we're all about coaching kids volleyball. With drills, skills, and scenarios, we keep things fast, fun, and effective. Presented by the Art of Coaching Volleyball, the Volley Pod is your new source for coaching information. Good morning and welcome to the Volley Pod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, everything's going well here. We're just coming off a tourney, a little tired, you know, that uh, that late Friday night, Saturday tourney, high school tourney action. So uh, that's a good tournament. Uh, a great tournament for for uh, for my squad. Yeah, I, I was uh, very happy with our our performance. So, uh, well, I, I was actually meaning like the level of the actual tournament. It's a strong tournament. It's the La Jolla Classic. It's just a really good San Diego tournament. And you, guys yeah, I mean, it's so, I mean, it's solid. It's not. I mean, t- it's not yeah. top of the line where right. you're dealing with the best teams in California or the nation. Um, Huntington Beach won it. They're uh, a top california team very physical and there were a bunch of bunch of good teams but just the 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 you know middle level has gone way up so yes. everybody's good i mean everybody can play it's like who's that libero you know right. who's that left side right burying it you know it's like i used to know every good kid and now it's like i don't know that kid oh she's a freshman right <laughs> like, oh yeah well and you we're sort of expecting with all the turnover to sort of be, I wouldn't say down, but just to have sort of a transition year. And you guys killed it in the tournament. We did. We did. And it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun. I mean, I just have a group that, you know, is uh, kind of embracing their roles and kids are learning at a fast rate. And, you know, it, it's uh, a good reminder to me about, you know, serving and passing. Very cool. <laughs> it matters. It matters. And I had a really cool week. I uh, got to watch a ton of matches this year. It's one of one of my favorite things about this year. Is I'm not coaching high school. That sounded bad, but you know what I mean. Um, right. You to- get to go out and see and, and oh, yeah. look at that kid play, and you have a bunch of club kids playing that you're able to follow. And it's that's fun. And it's just cool to see what other coaches do and and take stuff from them. And I've I'm totally stealing from other other people. It's great. So, anyways, well, we're back at it. Presented by the Art of Coaching Volleyball. Thrilled to, thrilled to be working with them. And uh, we're back at it. And I'm uh, up on the skill You got the, the skill. Week. The skill of the week. What is it? So this, Where are we starting this week? This week we're going to start with how to help your hitters improve their timing. Ooh, this is, this is big. Because every young hitter especially has timing issues. It's very rare that you have a young So I'm, I'm all ears. I love this one. Well, and that's what it. That's where the thought for this one came about. I've been doing a bunch of lessons lately, and one of the harder things for them is timing. And like you mentioned, and so we're, we're going to get into it. And these are really in no particular order. So these are definitely not like I would teach these in these order. These are more like ideas for coaches to use uh, for how to help their hitters. So let's get into it. So the first one, and this is a big thing that I know you're big on, is classifying our errors as this is an okay error, this is a non-okay error. And the first thing I like to do is take out being too early. I really find that they have more problems if they're too early than too late. I think good things happen if they're late. Some bad things like drifting under the net and stuff like that, but running underneath the ball, you know, shoulder injuries just getting out of alignment all these things happen if they're well i think i even talked about this before on the pod but you know i've been playing this game for a bunch of years and 
I'm always early. Everyone's always early. <laughs> so it's a good place to start because there's a lot of problems with it. Yes, so I and, like it. And that's literally what I say. I'll say everyone's always early. So can we take that out as being a known problem, essentially? Right. We know that's an issue, so let's work on it. We're going to say, hey, if you're a little late, we'll work on accelerating. But if you're too early, that's not okay. So that's... I like it. I like it. Okay. Starting, I mean, hey, you've... You know, identify a problem early and say, hey, we're going to teach to this and try to provide a framework for kids to be successful by not falling into the early trap. That's good. Absolutely. So the next one is in order to go slow to fast, everyone talks about going slow to fast. The, the biggest one that I see is kids that don't go slow to fast don't have some momentum going into their approach. Just a little bit of like what Mike Seeley might call the prowl step or just some momentum creeping forward. Because when they don't, they feel like they need to rush on that first step and then they're going fast to slow and running into issues with that. Okay. Uh, perfect. I like it. So just a little bit of movement into it. Yeah. Three is a little drill and I did include this and there's two actually very vari variations that I put on the show notes um, and I chose two videos that do the same drill because one goes into a little bit more explanation of it but it's the fake set it's where oh yeah this yeah one? this yes. is I think a Dunning thing he does some of this yes and I really like this and really it's a very simple drill and what if we're trying to get them to avoid being early what you say is you're not going to take X number of steps. You know, you're not going to be into your approach until after the set is delivered because you don't have any information. So you're essentially just going without knowing. And you're going to set is. the ball high enough to give them time. Exactly. Or I might set it to myself. And if the hitter's already gone, we know that they're too early. Oh, well, no, that's right. So that's right. But what I'm saying is in general, when you do set them, that set you give the setter will be high enough. Right. So you can't do that and set a low ball because the low ball gets them, they want to run in. Exactly. So you just have to make sure when you do that drill, and I, I've done it before with some players who, if they don't set the ball high enough, it doesn't work because the, the, reinf the reinforcement loop is incorrect. Right. They're still, they're going early and it's still working out for them well right yeah. well right it has to be high enough so if they if well to differentiate exactly the yeah to give them enough time to be stopped and not leave until they get that information yes and so and that actually brings me kind of to the next one which is what i call the mystery bag where it's similar to the fake set one but it's you don't know whether the set's coming out fast medium, Ooh, or slow. okay that's i've never i've never done that one and it's uncomfortable <laughs> it is uncomfortable but it definitely makes them have to be able to accelerate because they can't leave early because it's just not going to work out so if you're going to set them super fast then they have to be good at accelerating but like you said you want to avoid the set being the thing that's dictating their timing this is working on hitter timing right so you, that's why you give them a mystery bag so sometimes high and and the theory behind this and this is uh going a little bit into the science, but like if there's not enough of a contrast between I'm early, I'm late, I'm, you know, that's just right. Then they don't really discern like you were saying, and it just ends yep. up being a continual problem. 
So that's why you want a super high ball and then a fast ball and okay. then a medium ball. So adding a good deal of differentiation in there. The, the simple fifth point is ask them. Like, <laughs> like some player feedback. Like I, I, I'm so shocked when I ask them, they don't know. And this is for younger players that I'm kind of thinking, right? But it's- I don't know. I think there's a bunch of experienced players that don't know as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm, I'm shocked- But nobody's ever asked them. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. And it's I good just, that you do. Yeah. And, you know, once they start figuring out, then they can start affecting some change on it. Right. So, uh, and I, it's just good to have that internal response loop. Right. And then uh, this one's an interesting one. This is called mode switching. So, this is where you switch in between the two modes. Um, and you can do this on a lot of different things. But the two modes for this is you have to hammer and then you have to shoot out of bad timing. Right. So I think a lot of times coaches are really great at coaching one or the other. And I think it's good to switch between the two modes. So you are not allowed to shoot out of your bad timing right now. You must create good timing to be able to rip the ball. So that's mode one. And then mode two is uh, clearly there's going to be times when you're off timing. You need to be able to shoot out of those situations and get them in trouble. That kind of thing. Now, that balance is tough because, hey, we want to hit the ball hard. Absolutely. But we don't want to make stupid errors. Right. And a stupid error for us is an error where it's a bad decision. It's like, wait a minute, that's a bad set. Your timing's bad. You can't hit the ball hard here. Let's put it in the box. Yep, absolutely. And that's why I like this idea of switching modes back and forth. So I like that. I mean, yeah. I like the fact you give it, you name it. Yeah. You got a cool name. Yeah. Absolutely. Memorable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the other thing about improving hitting timing, ask them to max jump as much as possible. Oh. Right. I think, and we see this all the time when they are shooting, they slow down and this classic. I yep. mean, it's just literally like you, this is how you read hitters because they do it so commonly. Right. But if you can get them to go fast and then clip off, you know, speed off of their arm swing and, you know, max jump all the time, they're going to be well on their way to good timing. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the idea with that is one of the big cues that, that we use is, Hey, what does their what does the player's double arm lift look like? I like that one. In a perfect situation. And what did it look like in that situation? So should we be able to read that? Wait a minute. They had a horrible double arm lift. Their arms didn't go bad. They went back like two inches and their elbows bent. And it wasn't this, you know, beautiful flowing, you know, dynamic double arm lift. Wait a minute. I don't think the ball is going to be hit that hard right now. Right. And so yes. can we turn that around for a hitter and say, hey, even if you don't have an approach and that ball is right on top of your head, can you do a little bit, little hippity hop step close, yeah. but yeah. do a big double arm lift? Yes, absolutely. That's so, a really good uh, so, one. And that leads me right into this next one, which has actually been really cool the way we've transitioned yeah. right onto the next one. But because um, we're not planning this, we're just freestyling yeah. it for just for the yeah. out there. We're just talking. Um, but it's cool because it's led right to the next one. I don't really love the cue phrase step close. I like drive pop. Oh, okay. Okay, and I'll and we'll get more into like the actual like my resource today is about jumping. But stepping, no one jumps high by stepping and then closing. That's not how you jump high. So, oh, so the, I like better language. Better language, right. better results. So yep. I, the, the reason I bring that up, though, is I think when you're talking about developing setter time, I mean, hitting timing, 
you want to start off with just the last two steps Yep. and then add steps. I think everyone wants to, not everyone, a lot of people want to teach young players a four-step approach. And I think you can get to that. I think it's easy to add steps, um, but the last two are really the critical. Yep. Two. Yeah. Um, two more. You can have great timing of your approach. And this is, I think, this is probably my most insightful point today. I think a lot of these other things are sort of things that have been said before, but this has probably been said, but it's not said enough, I guess, is you can be on time with your approach, but your arm not prepare on time. And then you appear to have poor hitting timing and you do have poor hitting timing. Oh, this is a pet peeve of mine, Davis. So whenever kids do approaches and so, and once again, uh, some people don't believe in this and, and I, I can uh, agree with them at some point, but you know, the repetition of doing, you know, we'll do that. I think we talked about it before where we do our four, two, three yes. approach pattern and we go through the net. It's something like we still do every other day with my varsity team. And, you know, with them, I'm trying to change their range. So they're taking some different size steps to, you know, get to different balls. So it's just, you know, a way to warm up and move by, by doing approaches. Uh, but that idea that they won't jump and they won't swing when they do their approaches and yes. or if they do swing their arm comes through when they're back on the ground absolutely right so they're they're literally practicing they're, the incorrect thing <laughs> they're practicing the incorrect thing and their feet are on time like their feet are toward feet are on time ball. right so but arm is late arm is late so uh, linking that as part of their time that is huge that is the best thing you said yes, i agree thank you so <laughs> i did get one good one in there no but and then the final they're thing, all good i just no, like that one the best <laughs> yeah and, and i think that that's probably overlooked everyone says well you're late you're early right. you're late you're early and uh can their arm get up at the same time relative to their approach nearly every single time. That's so we're trying to actually, because we're trying to go fast. And I'll tell you, yesterday we had some rhythm in our office, Davis. You would have yeah, liked it. Okay. We had some nice. rhythm and we're, we're getting some space and we're getting, you know, uh, we're getting our right side, like wide open, some yes. with, with some, and even sets that weren't located, like a couple sets were too tight, but there was no blocker. So my, my <laughs> player just kind of tipped it down. Yes. You know, my big five, five right side. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's awesome. Uh, but no, that yeah. idea, what I'm saying is because we're going fast to the pins, we're trying to tell our hitters, Hey, you're a quick hitter. Yes. Because the ball is traveling horizontally fast. You can't take your time uh, getting your arm up and our kids, I mean, you know, I think in men's volleyball, you can have a little loopier prep because you're in the air longer. Right. And if you're jumping, you know, 40 inches, maybe your arm can be a little slower because you have that time to prep your arm because you're in the air so long. Right. But if you're jumping 20 inches, you better get your arm up. (laughs) Exactly. And then the, the number one tip for improving your hitting timing is just hit a lot of sets. I know it sounds obvious, but you know, hitters are hitters and they love to hit. So they should be hitting a slide. Like I think an outside should be able to hit off of one foot. They should be able to hit a high ball, a fastball. If they can only hit one type of thing, they're not really maximizing everything they can do. So just get out there and hit a ton of balls. You will get better every time, as long as you're being a little bit aware. So that's the I love skill it. of the day. I got one thing to add. Yeah, let's hear it. And that is the difference between space and time. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, so there's a difference. And no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So there's early and late. Yes. 
but there's under the ball. And just because you're under the ball doesn't necessarily mean you're early. It means your spacing might be wrong. Such so we have to differentiate those things, space and time. And I think sometimes we confuse those. I agree. I had a, I had a kid that was hitting the ball into the net and she was saying, I'm late, I'm late. And she wasn't late. It was just her contact point, right. you know, was in front of her. Yep. And so I think that's a really, really great point. So. Awesome. So that's the All right. Of the day. I love so it. So what do we got for the scenario? So scenario. So I, I hate just kind of bringing you into my season, but these are scenarios that I'm, you know, I'm dealing with in real time right now. Sure. Uh, speaking of like this weekend and we have a match tomorrow. Okay. And so that got me thinking about the idea of contingency planning okay. and how much of it should we do and what does it look like and is it worth spending the time to contingency plan to take time away from having your top kids get better at all those things you need to get better and so for example right now you know we have two outside hitters and we're serve receiving with one of them in two person serve receive right so if one of the players who is a two-person serve receiver and an outside hitter, if she goes down, I don't have a player who's going to jump into two-person serve receive. Right. We're not practicing a lot of three-person serve receive right now. I mean, we're going through kind of some, some general passing, but we haven't made, we haven't put a bunch of time in to say, hey, we need to put three out. If, you know, if Matza's not playing, then we got to do this. If Kaya's not playing, we're going to do this. If, you know, I don't have four outside hitters. If, if we replace, you know, and, and once again, I, I mentioned this because, you know, of course, this player after our tournament, we set her a ton of balls and she was working and we had, you know, what we were, we, we played seven to, so we played 14 sets wow. and over, the, you know, Friday and Saturday. And, you know, Masha was in two person serve receive the whole time. And, we don't have, you know, our middles, are, we don't set our middles a ton. Uh, and we're in a 5-1, so we're setting, our lefts are getting a ton of sets. Uh, and it could be child abuse a little bit. You know, I feel a little bit guilty. Um, they're happy because they're getting a bunch of sets, but I'm looking at it going, wait a minute, is this sustainable? Um, but anyway, so, oh, my knee's a little quirky. I just want to let you know. I'm going, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we have a match on Monday. Right. And, of wow. course, it's Sunday. Today's today's Sunday, and we're not practicing. So, uh, hey, should I oh, – wait a minute. Should I have put a bunch of time in? What's your take on contingency plans, and how do you plan for that? Well, it's a million-dollar question, but I will tell you <laughs> the thing that will change your mind about contingency plan is when you don't have one and you get stung by it. Yep. And my best friend, one of my best friends, uh, was always a big 5-1 guy, and he really sort of believed in just, we run a 5-1. I'm not going to necessarily get my backup setter in really at all unless, I'm, you know, unless my other one's injured. And it didn't happen all season. And right before JO's, she gets injured, the one setter gets injured, and now they're in one of the toughest tournaments of that they've played in all season, and they're in with their second setter who has – essentially no experience with the team that will change your mind <laughs> right it hasn't happened since he trains both of them up now. right okay and so i mean i would say it's a million dollar question on how much time yep but i definitely think you got to have one 
So here's here's kind of my new approach to this, okay. where I'm trying to cheat. Okay. And so my approach is more philosophical. Okay. Where we're trying to have this idea of flexibility. Like you just talked about in attacking. Hey, we want our attackers to hit all kinds of sets. So mm -hmm. we want our left hit from the right. We want to hit pipes. We want to hit from the back row. So we're not specializing quite as much. So let's say if we need to put a left side attacker in, somebody who's playing right side, maybe she hasn't played there, but we've practiced so that, you know? I yeah. mean, yeah, she's practices. Hey, you're still on the same steps. Ball's coming from a little different direction. When we're in row one, you're hitting over there. So it's not something like you've never done, even though, you know, you haven't played that position. But just this idea that we're always encouraging them to say, hey, you're not a right side hitter. You're an attacker. And a lot of time you're hitting on the right, but there might be a bunch of times you need to hit on the left. And if Masha goes down, you're going to be there a lot. Right. <laughs> and we might not yeah. be practicing a lot, but right. but it's not like this that. kind of huge thing like, well, I've ne just never done that before. So in a, a I don't know if I'm putting enough time into it from a, hey, we don't have all these contingency plans and we're not taking practice. I'm going, well, if she goes down, we're going to do this. If she goes, it's more of flexibility. Like, hey, you need to hit from everywhere. You need to learn to play all three positions in the back row because we could switch up and you never know. So there's this kind of flexibility built into our training uh, rather than specific contingency planning. I love that idea. I think that's wonderful. And I'll, and I'll give you another one. So this is one of the cool things about seeing a bunch of matches. So Point Loma this year legitimately it only carries one setter on varsity. And I don't know what the deal is, but she wasn't there. And... Their libero, Nazi, stepped in and set oh. and did a great job. And that they, kid's a good volleyball player. She's a good volleyball player. So if you got good volleyball players, you can do some of the stuff you're right. talking about there. And it's not it's not like, oh no, we don't have someone who can set the ball, you know. Right. It, you you, it, you have a contingency. She's a beach plan. kid, she sets a lot. She sets a lot, <laughs> yeah. She could hit. She'd, she'd, do, she'd hit middle if you wanted her to. Yeah. So but no, that's that's sort of philosophically, let's be complete volleyball players. Yep. Right. So really cool. So what else do you got for us in the scenario? Anything else that, that, that helped? No, I, hey, I, I, no, you know, on that scenario, I, I think it's, uh, I think if you're on a club team, it's a little bit different uh, because you have to define more roles. On my high school team, uh, you know, we have kids that, you know, we might be, if somebody gets injured, we might completely shuffle everything around. Where in a club, you're always saying, wait a minute, this kid's going to sit sometimes because, you know, we have to play, we have to play everybody a little more. So I, I think there's a little different philosophy there uh, with club. But, uh, you know, I'm always saying, hey, I want to make sure that when we train, that we're training our, you know, our top kids to perform the best they can. Uh, because that that's part of part of my role, and some people might say there's an overemphasis of winning in that. Um, but hey, we're we're trying to be our best, and I think you know we don't uh, we tell kids that from the beginning. We don't change the rules with them on that. Right. Uh, and there might be some kids who who don't play as much. If I'm coaching them on a club team, I'm probably playing them more. Uh, but on my high school team, I make the, that very clear early on, and kind of they know what's going to happen. I don't, you know. It, communication lines are, are very clear and they know about it. So we're not Pearl Harboring them with this. Right. Right. Uh, 
but I, I think the, uh, it does make the contingencies, you know, it's, uh, there are nights that I wake up thinking, oh, what, well, what if this happens? You know, we're not ready. We right. haven't done anything. So I'll, I'll give, I'll give one more thing with the, with the contingency plans. And I, I think this, well, I think one of the things that is a continual contingency plan is to not overemphasize the A squad versus B squad stuff, coach everyone up. If, if A squad member goes out, B squad member ready to go in, it's all good. I think doing too much AB, I think, I think you can do, you can do some AB and especially in high school, it works out, you know, a little bit better sometimes doing uh, AB, but um, you know, scrimmaging, but um, really valuing the, that second, those second teamers, yep. like giving them the same good feedback, letting them get in every drill just as much, not giving more reps to the starter, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so anyways, well, awesome scenario. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. What do you have for uh, the videos? What, okay, so, what are we looking at? Okay. So for the videos, the first one I'm going to start with, um, these will all be unlocked on the Art of Coaching's, uh, Art of Coaching Volleyball's website. Um, so check them out. The first one is one that we mentioned already. It is a really great discussion from John Dunning where he does this drill that we already mentioned where it's sort of, you could either set it to yourself or not. And the hitter has to go hit it basically. And the idea is for the hitter to wait and then accelerate. But the reason I like this one is it actually goes into some pretty good detail about some of the mistakes that happen during this thing. So like he's got a couple hitters out in there and they go early, they got a couple and they go late or they're not in motion. And he just has a really good discussion on it. Coach Dunning is. Well, it's, it's great having the, it's not perfect. So it's not run by, you know, international level players who are doing everything right. It, it, it's, it's great stuff that comes out, you know, uh, to look like our players that we coach. Exactly. Which helps us to problem solve them versus like some, you know, some elite players that we've never worked with before. The other is um, the same drill, but with just a little bit of, of a different spin on it. It is the coach from, I believe it's Marquette. Let me double check this. And it's, yeah, it's just a timing drill. Yeah, it's from Marquette. It's Ryan Theus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, they just do a, just a sort of a modification of the drill where you pass it to someone and then they do either okay. the set or yep. whatnot. But again, it's just to try to get them to be early. This is a this is a quick hitter. And the reason I put this one on is I think you can show this one to your hitters, right? It's literally a one-minute video. The other one's 15 minutes for more like coaches if you want to get into the discussion piece. So – and then that's cool. You have two and one is one is player kind of for players and one's for coaches. That's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And then the final one is Terry Laskevich. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not Terry Laskevich. It's uh, the other Oregon State. Oh, coach. OK. His assistant who became the head coach, yes. Mark Barnard. Yeah, Mark Barnard. And he is doing a similar thing, helping his players to understand timing. Um, but he has them hit three balls in a row of different tempos. Oh, okay. And again, that variation helps them to learn timing. And um, what we know from science is that if things are different enough, then you can compare. Differential training. Yeah. I think I need to do more of that. Yeah, it's pretty so cool. So that's super simple, but uh, backed by science. I like it. Yeah, so three simple things. Again, there's no, there's no quick fix. There's nothing that's going to solve hitter timing. Right. But there are some things that you're going to do to right. improve. But I'll tell you, when yeah. kids like get like a couple 
and they connect and yes. you, they get that that uh little fire in their eye davis there's nothing better that's why oh, like yeah. old guys like us still coach right exactly. for those moments absolutely so those videos will be available for you to check out and uh yeah please feel free to check them out on the art of coaching volleyball's website now what is the resource of the week todd we what do we are got? going we are staying in the art of coaching site for this resource and this okay. is one that uh i was reminded because my buddy don patterson who's done a lot of this he's done a lot of work for art of coaching reminded me about this and i said i gotta go back and look at those and that is the blog feature on our art of coaching i didn't even know about that and that's why and we're bringing it up because Perfect. it's so it's it's awesome you'll really like it so okay. there's just these there there are blogs and the latest one is uh a great one and it is hit more line score more points oh i see okay, okay cool uh that's an awesome one uh white core strength is so important for volleyball players uh i did one on things that are undervalued and overvalued and then they have stuff like motivating with ice cream i mean stuff right. i mean it's just it's cool stuff to just like get these little bits of info when you're in your season can you bring a little different take to your players because they're listening to your voice a bunch and you've done maybe the same stuff with these kids who are seniors now they go wait a minute this is a new one. He's got it. He's there's still this 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 old dog's got a new trick. <laughs> That's so cool. So here's another one for for you, Davis. You'll like this one. Hey, coach, stop looking for a tall setter. <laughs> well, I was a tall setter, so I don't know how I feel about that. But again, it's you get different opinions, and I love it. Yeah. Hey, I just remember the last time we beat Cathedral was with Matty Yu in a 5-1. We were in a 6-2. I think Rocky was gone or something. And so okay. Matty set a 5-1. And I'm going, gosh, we're pretty good here, even though the setter's 5-4 and not blocking. She's such a good setter that how much does that make up for? You know, So just Absolutely. stuff like that on these blogs. Uh, there's just so much great info and little stuff that you can send to players too. So cool. So what a great pod we hit. All sorts of great stuff today. We talked about developing hitter timing. We talked about how much you should have a backup plan or yeah, a contingency, contingency plan. plans. And obviously, those videos will be unlocked on the Art of Coaching Volleyball for anyone to check out. And we shared uh, the resource, which is the blog. Uh, Blog feature, blog yeah, feature, it's right awesome. there. Just look under blogs and the AOC. It's right up there on the menu on top, and get into the blogs. And I went down a rabbit hole. It <laughs> spent about an hour reading a bunch of good ones. So cool. Well, what a great uh, episode, and uh, thanks a lot. Take care, Davis. Talk to you soon. Bye.